Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. But Lord, we just uh, thank you for another opportunity just to be together, to worship you. Lord, sometimes it just feels normal, but we know there's no higher thing we could be doing than worshiping the name of Jesus and gathering as brothers in Christ and and the family of God and hearing your word and, and learning of you, Lord Jesus, and So we just thank you for what you're doing tonight. And uh, even in other places in our community, I know there's a worship event downtown going on. uh, We say thank you for the the worship that is ascending, the incense that is arising from our community. Lord, we know that's not happening in every place of the world. There are many places where it it, it would be hard-pressed to find anyone worshiping you And so here we are in central Illinois saying, Jesus, you are preeminent. There's no one else worth spending a Friday night for. And uh, you're the ultimate cause. You're the ultimate one that we pursue. Lord, you are the most high, the Bible says. You are above all else. And so we thank you for this opportunity just to express that in community together and as, as Lord, as we look to your word, open it to us, Lord. Holy Spirit, breathe on the scriptures that you inspired to be written and, and open them. Give us ears to hear uh, what you would say to us tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I think everybody uses smartphones now. But if you do have a hard Bible or if you have your smartphone Bible, we're going to Acts 27. And we're going to look at the last two chapters of the book of Acts. I'm titling this Storms, Shipwrecks, and the Miraculous Ways of God. Tried to get the longest title possible. So we're we're continuing the book of Acts theme here. We've been doing this for a couple months now. But at the conclusion of the book of Acts, it is the kind of like the crescendo of the whole story we see you know, this tumultuous sea journey, you know, Paul's on the ship and, and uh, there's a shipwreck and it's kind of like, Lord, what are you doing in all this? So I want to explore that tonight. But before that, I want to start with a verse in James. Actually, I'm going to begin and end with this verse in James 5.11. I love this verse. James 5.11 <clears throat> says, we count them blessed who endure. That he's, he was just talking about the prophets. We count them blessed who endure. You've heard of the perseverance of Job. I love how James singles out Job, talks in general about the prophets, and then singles out Job. And he says, you've seen how he persevered. And what's interesting about this is he says, you see that there is an end intended by the Lord. I, mean, I just love 
that phrase that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Didn't seem like it for the first like 40 chapters, but there is an intended end in the ways of God. And I want to explore that tonight. The ways of God so intrigue me because there is a way God does things that are completely counterintuitive to what we would do. And he will take us through things for a purpose. And he, I mean, it's all through the Bible. He will use trial. He will use suffering. He will use, you know, I I think it's interesting throughout the New Testament, there's so many storms that he intentionally sends the disciples into. He says, yeah, you go cross over there. You don't know what's about to happen, but I do. (laughs) And so there's storms and there's, you know, you know, the proverbial storms and the literal storms. And, and through it all, we kind of look at it from our view and go, wow, this is just a mess. It's just hard. But God goes, there's an end that I have intended. And you have to get to that to know the story. And so we can't quit when it's hard is kind of the, the gist of it. But we're going to really look through the, the, the maritime narrative of what Paul goes through to sort of put some flesh on this skeletal structure of, of this, this way of God. You know, I wish in my flesh God would just say, okay, you're saved and now it's easy. You're in and just kind of coast into glory. You know, I kind of wish the Bible said that. Nowhere in the Bible do you see that. And we all know that, although we wish it says that. The reality is Jesus promised nothing like that. He promised trial. He promised tribulation. He promised suffering and all for a purpose. And what we're going to see in Paul's life is the reason Jesus takes us through these things. It's ultimately for our good and his glory, but it's also for the good of others. And so when you go through tough seasons or tough patches in your life, God's doing something. There is an intended end. It wasn't just with Job and the prophets. It's for everybody, all of us. And so when you're going through whatever, find yourself in that kind of verse. Uh, indeed, you've, you've heard them, counted them blessed who endure. You've heard of the perseverance of Chase or David or Curtis. And you've seen because of what, how they persevered what the Lord meant. And so kind of do that. So anyway, that's a little bit of intro. I'm not going to go through the actual introduction there on the page, but just flip over to Acts 27. Acts 27, or swipe there, or whatever you got there. Acts 27. <coughs> and we're, we're getting toward the last, you know, how many years of the book of Acts. So they, the Acts narrative is 30 years long. It looks like everything's happening in like 10 minutes and we're like, oh my gosh, miracles are happening every second in the book. This is 30 years from Acts 1-1 to Acts 28, whatever the last verse is, Acts 28-31. And these last two chapters, I'm guessing it's a couple year, two, three. I mean, the, the last few verses say that Paul was in his own home for a number of years and so this, is, this isn't just a quick like shot across the Illinois River. This is a bunch of stops on the way to Paul getting to Rome because the Lord said he would do that. 
And so he's heading that direction, but in Acts 27.1, this voyage begins. Uh, Paul is with a whole bunch of prisoners. Paul was, you know, in big trouble for preaching the gospel. So they, they didn't, you know, like that. And so he kept, you know, getting in trouble and then he would appeal to other. And then they, so they finally said, you just go to Rome and make your case before the, the head honcho. And so he begins sailing there. And in verse 1, we see they... It says, when it was decided that they, we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regiment. And so they're on their way. And then, you know, they make a few stops as they put to sea. And then already in verse 7 and 8, early in the journey, it says they had sailed slowly for many days and they arrived in a place called Canidus with difficulty. So they begin, and then the, the, the voyage is difficult already. And I'm going to make a larger point about this journey, but I just think it's very interesting. God told Paul, you're going to Rome. We make assumptions when God speaks to us. We think, well, you know, if the Lord said this, then psh, it's just going to be God's going to do it. And, but usually between God speaking and God accomplishing, there's a whole a whole lot of trial and testing. And so Paul's in the will of God. He's, you know, he's going to Rome. They begin. It's difficult. Then verse 9, just a few verses later. When much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous. Okay, they start and then it's difficult. Then it's dangerous very quickly because of the fast was already over. The, the fast was referring to a time of year. And so it was actually this time of year. Uh, September, October, where there's hurricanes or storms. And so there was, you know, certain festivals that they would, uh, you know, do at certain times of the year. So it was referring to just a dangerous time to sail. And like, you wouldn't want to go, you know, drive a boat east of Florida right now up to the Carolinas. You just wouldn't do that because it's just a, there's a hurricane. And so they were sailing at a really tough time. And so it wasn't just difficult, it became very dangerous very quickly. Then one verse later, Acts 27.10, Paul says to the people he's with, I perceive this voyage is going to end with disaster, which is unusual. Paul, Jesus told Paul, you're going to Rome. But Paul on the boat's going, this is a disaster. <laughs> what? And so it's like there's a conflict already happening. It goes from starting to difficult to dangerous. And Paul says, now I know this is going to be a disaster. Paul, where's your faith? You know, and, and Paul would say, well, it's not, you can acknowledge reality, you know. And so he goes, he takes that into prayer. Keep going down to verse 20. It just gets even better. There's all kinds of tempests and, you know, stormy stuff, and it continues to be difficult. Verse 20, now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. I have been out in the middle of the uh, gulf where you can see nothing but water, and it is like crazy. And if you're out in the middle of a, like a really strong storm, this, this is what we call a nor'easter. If you're in the middle of just, there's just water and you can't see anything and it's just storming constantly, it's terrifying. I haven't been in that, but I've been out to sea where you cannot see land anywhere and it's just like, whoa, this is a big pond. 
Like, it's just, it's intimidating. And uh, so they got to a point in verse 20 where they truly felt it's over. This airplane is crashing. Uh, We are going to die. That was the point they got to. So Paul's thinking, Lord, I thought I was going to Rome. You do appeared to me even. I mean, just a chapter or two before, Jesus literally appeared and said, you're going to Rome. And so Paul's like, wow, he's probably kind of. But we know he was praying. But it, it, I mean, the, the people felt hopeless. They'd, they'd been in the storm so long, death seems imminent. They're not eating, they're hungry, you know. There's all kinds of dynamics with being at sea this long and storming this long. It doesn't sound like a very fun journey. <laughs> this is just how God does stuff. It goes from they started to it was immediately difficult, then it's dangerous, then it's disastrous, then it's hopeless, and then it's miraculous. I wish. Hi there. Good to see the Kistner family. <laughs> Woo! All right, my favorites. <laughs> All right, I just, I love my family. You feel me. You feel me. The journey suddenly becomes miraculous. It turns on a dime. And, I, and I, I really wish God would take my advice and do things differently. But he will, he will surface in us emotions that we didn't know were there. He will surface in us prayer that we didn't know we were capable of. He will take us through things that we're just like, didn't know this was a part of the journey. I had no idea that it was going to be like this. And the Lord says, well, I wanted to lead you in a miraculous way. I don't want you just to go through the average run-of-the-mill Western 21st century Christianity where no one needs a miracle. I wanted you to do the Bible stuff. And so I'm going to take you through some difficulties. It's going to be dangerous. There's going to be times where you're like, it's going to be a disaster. And you're going to give up all hope, but you're going to keep going. The ship's going to keep sailing. And then you're going to begin to see miracles. That's just how it is. I mean, if you think of the book of Acts in general, that all happened after the drama of the crucifixion. I mean, these these young men were crushed. Everything that they thought was going to happen did not happen. I mean, they completely misunderstood what was happening. And then their friend died by a very brutal crucifixion. And then the miracles begin happening. I, I, I wish it didn't involve this kind of suffering to glory sort of dynamic always, but this is how it is. They go through all this. Then the miracles begin to happen in verse 22. Paul begins to say to all the people on the ship, I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, don't be afraid, Paul. By the way, an angel says, don't be afraid because you're afraid. (laughs) He was absolutely terrified. I would be, you would be, Paul. Paul was like a human like us. He thinks, I'm dying. I'm going to just drown in an endless abyss of water. That's where, that's, I thought it was the Lord's will. He was terrified. But here's the thing. There was a man on the ship that had a prayer life. 
And so Paul is down in the hole somewhere, just like, God. And sometimes when we pray, God answers in traumatic ways. And that was one of those, Paul needed that because, I mean, if you're, if you're going through this kind of drama, you kind of need that. The angel shows up and says, Paul, don't be afraid. God sent me to tell you you're going to make it. And then he says this. He says, you're going to be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Paul wasn't just praying for himself. He was praying for everyone on that ship. The angel says, God has granted everyone you've been praying for. That, that's interesting to me. Because I'd be, I'd be praying, Lord, spare me. You said I had this journey I had to take. I, I mean, I, I. But he was contending for that whole ship. He was saying, Lord, help it get there. I mean, he knew the Jesus that could walk on water. He knew the Jesus that took naps in the middle of nor'easters and woke up and was like, oh, I rebuke you, Storm. I don't want you. I mean, he knew that Jesus. He knew Jesus could do anything. But when you're in the middle of it, it's intimidating. I mean, I think of all the people who are working in the hurricane. I mean, that just takes a certain kind of person to go into that place and, and you know, rescue people. I mean, it's, it's intimidating stuff. Hurricanes are no joke. When I was younger, uh, Hurricane Katrina was like 20 years ago, but I had family down there, and I went and visited. I drove down there to help them clean up their yard and stuff, and I saw the devastation with my eyes. I mean, it's, it's in, there's no words. I mean, just as far as you could see, just nothing but foundations everywhere. I mean, just everything was just completely destroyed, and there were just heaps of piles of houses Completely, bl- I mean, it, it's just incredible what the, the power of these things can do. And so imagine you're in this one rickety boat two, made 2,000 years ago. It's intimidating. But notice the progression. You start, it's hard, it's difficult, it's dangerous, it's disastrous, it's hopeless, it's miraculous. There's going to be seasons of your life, if you would have told me this sermon when I was 20, I would have been like, oh, whatever. I'm doing pretty good right now. There will be seasons as we get older where the Lord invites us into things or we go through things and it's just hard and only hard and then harder and then it's like, this is not going, it's not going to work. That is the path of the miraculous. You just can't, you can't stop. You cannot jump off the ship. There's no, there's no way to do that. I mean, imagine if Paul would have just kind of gone bonkers and jumped off the ship. There, there's no other ship coming. I mean, there's just, there was one ship being held in the hands of God. And he controls the storms. He controls that whole thing. I mean, that was the safe place, actually. That safe place was that ship because that ship was supposed to be going that direction. But there will be seasons in your life, in my life, in your family, in the ministry God calls you to, or your work, where it's gonna be it's gonna feel like, wow, it's it's slow going, it's difficult, and then it just feels dangerous. Like, what am I even doing? Why did I do this? And then it seems disastrous, and then, oh, I've given up all hope, and that's when the miracles start to happen. We don't know the timing, but they eventually do happen, and they usually happen when we're praying. I mean, I would be, I would be very terrified if that was, I don't know if I'd be like Paul praying. 
I'd, I'd be like, Jesus, please help. I'd be praying like that. But you get, you get the idea. Paul was really in prayer. And an angel comes. Don't give up in the middle of your story is what I'm trying to say. Because there will be seasons like this. You might not be <laughs> on a ship, but that, you know, that ship in life where the direction you're heading Remember, there's an end intended. There's an end intended. And it may, it may be truly at the very end of your life that you make sense of it. But there may be some seasons where this is more pronounced, where the trials are more pronounced, or the, the tribulation or the suffering or the pressure or you know, the waves or the storms, however you want to say it. There may be a few seasons within the grand scheme of your life where you're going to see an intended end. It may be a 10-year season, maybe shorter or longer. It may, you may not make sense of some things to the very end of your life, and some may, may not make sense till you get to be with the Lord. But we know this, the same God who had that intended end for Job and the prophets and Paul and many others, he's going to do what he has spoken. So maybe you're here tonight, and there's an area of your life you're feeling hopeless. Or you're like, this is a disaster. Whatever it may be, hang on. <laughs> Keep hanging on. You never know what disaster uh, may turn into a miracle. Just don't jump ship. Don't give up. Don't, don't quit in the middle of the story. I think that's the temptation more often than not, is we kind of believe that one day, you know, God will break through, but I'm not sure, so I, I, yeah, I'll, maybe I'll not do that. We can't do that. Keep with whatever God has told you to do, whatever your, you know, whatever ministry or whatever, you know, life journey, just keep going. So we, we get some kind of breakthrough here. They still have to drive the ship. I mean, I'm sure if I'm the captain of that ship, I'm like, Paul, that's great that an angel appeared, but this is still really bad. So they still got to drive the ship. And it's starting to become you know, clear to Paul that things are going to get better, but I don't know who believed him. And so we have this unusual final chapter in Acts 28 where Paul, through a series of events, they, you know, they cut the anchor and they do all these things and then they end up in Malta. When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go the anchors and left them in the sea. Meanwhile, losing the rudder ropes and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore and they strike a place. So there's, there's still drama unfolding. And they come to a place. Chapter 28, verse 1, when they had escaped, they found out that the island was called Malta. So sometimes you follow Jesus, there's a huge storm, there's just nothing but disaster, and you're in a place you didn't know you'd be. I mean, this is just, and you kind of start to go, what is happening? Why is, uh... let's read, I want to read some of these verses here. So Paul and all these prisoners, they get to Malta, and there's natives. The natives are kind. They invite the, 
the prisoners in and they've got a fire going and they're your friendliness and there's a whole sermon in this that I actually may talk about next week or the week after. There's, chapter 28 is amazing. I mean, there's just a lot of lessons there. Paul's just trying to help. He starts to gather sticks and a poisonous viper bites him. There's just nothing but difficulty on this trip for Paul. Thought I was in the will of God. Thought I was going to the place he told me to. I'm trying to get to Rome. Now I'm on Malta. I just freaked out. We had a shipwreck. Now there's a poisonous snake hanging off of my body. Many Christians today would look at Paul and say, well, that guy has hidden sin. That guy got off the path somewhere. That guy must be disobedient to the Lord. I mean, how many people today would look at Paul's life playing out on social media and go, we need to get Paul out of the ministry. He's not working out. You know, I think we, there are so many crazy conclusions that people come to today. And it's like, no, he's just in the middle of a story. God wants to do a miracle. We already had an angel show up. That's promising. God doesn't send angels to mess around. If, if an angel shows up, you're in the right spot. Okay. He gets to Malta, a viper bites him. Let's get Zeke. <laughs> Hi, Zeke. Why does God allow a snake bite? Have you ever wondered that? Why did even that even end up in the story? Everything that's in Scripture is for a reason, to teach us certain things. The viper thing actually creates a scenario where all the people on the island are like, that guy is a murderer. And they were actually correct. He was a murderer. <laughs> Paul had murdered people when he was before his conversion. So they were tapping it. They were like kind of, you know, so Paul's like, what is happening here? And then they, he doesn't die because the, the islanders knew what kind of snake that was. They're like, this guy's dead. The, the universal laws of justice are at play, and because this guy's a murderer, he's dead. He escaped the sea, but he's not going to escape the poisonous snake. That was their theological framework for Paul. And there will be people with theological framework for you that will look onto your life and go, because of this, this, and this, he must just be off. <laughs> Paul's going, no, I serve a God bigger than hurricanes and snakes. So this is no big deal. Once he doesn't die, it's amazing how fickle the human heart is. They go from, he's a murderer, to that's a god. So it just shows you, don't pay attention to what people say. Because one day they're criticizing, the next day they're singing your praise. You just live for Jesus. People's opinions come and go. Favor comes and go. Criticisms come and go. You know, positive, negative. Just, it's all like... When you're down and out and going through shipwrecks, people are like, ah, you're horrible. And then you see revival. Oh, you're amazing. And it's just like, people are going to be people. You just don't listen to most of it. And you just listen to Jesus. That's what you do there. And so that's a preview of the next sermon. Why do we even get this in the Bible? We need to learn. We need to know that just because there is a shipwreck, just because there's a snake hanging off your hand, doesn't mean you're not in the will of God. Paul doesn't die. It starts a conversation. They suddenly have favor. They're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is a unique man. We got to go tell this. We got to tell Publius about this guy. So they end up in this guy's 
uh, estate. His name was Publius. And he just so happens to have a father who was sick. Are you starting to see how the story turns? You know, sometimes when we're in the middle of the storm, we, we just can't even fathom what's next. We can't fathom it. And we just always see is, I'm about to die. That's all I can see. But then Malta shows up, then the snake thing, and then they're like, well, let's talk to Publius. Then Paul ends up laying hands on the father of Publius, and he's instantly healed. And so that's shocking to them. Oh, my gosh, like this man, they thought he was a god. Obviously, Paul straightened that. I'm not a god. I serve God, and he, you know, protected me from the snake and all that. And so they pray. He lays hands. He's healed. And one of the most underrated verses in the Bible just comes next, verse 9. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. That is one of those verses that most people just blink and they miss it and they don't understand. The entire island was healed of diseases because Paul decided, I'm going to go through a shipwreck and I'm going to pray through that thing. I'm going to get to... He had no idea what was happening. But God did. <laughs> and so at some point in your future, you're like, why am I here? Why is it so hard? I'm getting the enemy is attacking me. I'm getting bit by the serpent. You know, all of this drama, you never know what's next. And so don't give up. Don't quit. Don't get off. And no one does this perfect. Paul didn't do it perfect. I'm sure there's many times in his heart, Paul was like, I am done with this apostle thing. We don't have that in scripture. I'm just saying, knowing how the heart is, he was probably like, we all would be like that. He just kept persevering. He just decided, I'm not going to quit for one more day. That's kind of the, the new thing that I really like how it's phrased. You know, some people, they can't commit to being dedicated the rest of their life. So just be dedicated today. See how that works out. When tomorrow rolls around, be dedicated tomorrow. And just do that. See, see how that works out. Just keep going. Don't quit today. Don't quit tomorrow. And just every day, just don't quit. Don't get off the, the course. Keep following Jesus. You know, even the strongest apostles like Peter got off course a little and then got back on course. So that we're not expected to do this with total perfection. We're expected to just keep signing up. Every single... So all of a sudden... There's a revival on Malta, and every single person is healed. We don't have much of the story. It's one of those stories where we're just left salivating. We're literally like, Lord, you literally put one verse about that? How many families were dramatically changed because of that? I mean, Publius and his dad were like, what in the world? What happened? And then Paul's like, well, Jesus, (laughs) let's talk about the gospel. And so many people undoubtedly got saved. Many people encountered the Lord. I mean, when you're getting, everybody's getting healed, you're asking, you know, what? And so there was a revival on Malta, and it says that they honored those traveling with Paul in many ways, and then they departed. They provided the things that were necessary. And then they get to Rome. 
So that's the next part. So it's kind of like anticlimactic. It's like, that, that was a really neat story. So sometimes the Lord says, okay, I'm sending you to Rome, or I'm sending you here or there, but it's the journey where he's accomplishing things we could never have conceived. Let me just share an example. I would never have conceived what doing house of prayer would have looked like. We've done this for maybe nine years, 10 years-ish, and the stories, the things that have happened just with a little group of people who've prayed, I could never in my wildest dreams have ever thought, and I'm not doing this to have some worldwide impact and buy a jet and you know travel around, I'm just not in it for that. But the people who've come through these doors who don't know Jesus, who don't know a thing, and leave going, well, can I have a Bible? And just, I want to search this out. Those kind of stories, I never would have thought though that stuff would have happened, but it, but it is. I, I'm, I'm being honest. Time would fail to tell these stories. I remember when we first started, I got this idea. It was obviously the Lord. I mean, I'm, it, it's, you know, every idea that's good comes from the Lord. All good things come down from the Father of light. So one day I just said, we're going to put a bench in the front of the front door. We're just going to put a bench there. And I'm thinking, there's no bench on the sidewalk. And I just said, Lord, we're going to put a bench there. And anybody that sits there, I'm going to talk to them about you. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times we have met people and prayed with people and served people and given people food and drink because of that little bench there. And that's just one tiny part of what we do here. And so people will literally, there's, now there's actually another bench a little further down. Someone put another bench out there. So we're just making waves. But just, just dozens of times, at least, someone randomly would just sit there and I'd, I'd just go out there and say, hey, bro, what's going on? And they'll, I mean, we've had some super serious conversations. We've had fun conversations I've gotten to meet people's dogs. I've gotten to get people's soda. I mean, just so much happens, you know, just because we, we started sailing the ship and we didn't quit. We didn't get off. And so same with you. There's so many stories that will just come out of your obedience. And you don't have to start a ministry, okay? Your, your ship, quote unquote, is your life and what God's called you to do and the direction he's taking you. And just know there is an intended end despite all the storms and despite all the, you know, the, the freaky stuff and, oh, what's going to happen? And, oh, we're shipwrecked. And, no, we're not in a place we thought we'd be. Keep going. Paul eventually, like I said, he made it to Rome. He was beat up. He was battered. But he did what he was called to do. He ends up toward the end of the story. Like I said, he's, um, He's uh, dwelling for two years in his own rented house. He got to relax a little bit at the end of the story. Be open to where God could take you. And, and don't, don't by any means think that because you're going through a storm that that means you're off. Or maybe people interpreting. You know, well-meaning people say bad things sometimes, you know. Well, my pastor said that we wouldn't go through storms. Uh, pastor's wrong. Uh, Jesus sent his disciples into many storms. And there's storms all over the Bible. And so don't get all, you know, we don't, I don't, I'm not into rebuking people or proving points and all that. I just think we have to understand that if 
God's going to send us direction. It may be easy, it may be not, but don't ever assume that because it's hard or it's dangerous or whatever, that God's not with you. Keep knowing that there's that intended end. One of the things about Job, I'm going to land this plane here real quick. I'm going to try to find my way back to James. Well, thank you, sir. Job was not only sick, but he had a lot of input about his sickness. Sometimes when you go through things, it's the, the outside voices that make it even harder. And so you got to just learn, okay, i got to be faithful through this. i got to endure. There's an intended end. He did it with Job. He did it with all the prophets. He did it all throughout the New Testament. He did it with the disciples. He did it with Paul. I know there's something on the other side of this. I just know it. They didn't know that because they were the first one having that story happen to them, but we know it. Okay? So just know there's something on the other side. And, and when our friends or family give well-meaning advice that's just not right, we just, I love you. Okay, cool. I'll pray about that. And we just move on. Don't get all caught up. But, but part of the difficulty of the journey is there's going to be people who are just flat out wrong about what you're doing. I mean, I've had many well-meaning people come to me and say, eh, this is not right. It's like, oh, I'm still going to keep doing what God told me to do. And you have that resoluteness. Don't let people talk you out of your calling. That's just, okay, anyway, that's another sermon. You guys get my drift there. So that's the journey to Rome. That's what we learn about the ways of God. It can be hard, but don't give up. There's a grander purpose through all those difficulties. Amen. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for those present here to hear this message. And uh, those who may be on the live stream or the recording, we just ask you for grace to continue to navigate stormy seasons. Lord, we're literally going through a stormy season in our own country. We lift up those affected by Hurricane Ian and we ask for miracles. We bless the, the workers and the laborers who are rescuing people and reestablishing power, but draw near to, to Florida and the Carolinas right now. And, and the, the many, perhaps millions of Christians who are in a spiritual storm and they don't know up from down right now, send angelic hosts to speak to them. Encourage them that the, the storm does not mean that they're, they're wrong. It means there's miracles on the other side of this journey. So help, help us in this room, help those connected to this place, and help your people, God, to stay the course, to, to finish out the chapter, to finish out the season, and to stay the course to the end of our days to see what that intended end really is. And all for your glory and for, for the good of many other people in the name of Jesus. Amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.